You can see my award-winning climate comedy show spoilers at a festival near you, provided you live near or are going to McHuncliffe or Wells Comedy Festivals. More dates added soon near you, conceivably, who knows what might happen. And if you are at Mac, come and see ComCom Redacted live at 4pm on the Saturday. Go to stuartgoldsmith.com and click the very attractive banner image to find out more. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. This is a podcast from ComediansComedian.com. This is the Comedians Comedian Podcast. Hello and welcome to the show. I'm Stuart Goldsmith. I'm with another superb Melbournean comic now. This is the wonderful Geraldine Hickey. Hello, Geraldine. Thank Hello. you so much for coming. I'm really excited to have you. I'm excited to be here. We we met at brunch, didn't we, a couple of weeks Easter ago? Easter Sunday. It was Easter Sunday, was yeah. it? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know it was a special occasion. It was just it was a nice Easter. brunch. Yeah, it was. It was. It was lovely. Very nice. And then, lo and behold, a couple of weeks later, uh, me and Sarsky came to see you uh, in your show at the Forum Theatre. Yes. Which is called Love and a Slab of Fudge. Yeah, Love or a Slab Love of Fudge. Love or a Slab of Fudge, big yes. fun. Um, I was too busy admiring the board game that works on the poster. Pretty cool, right? Like, oh, it's awesome. I yeah. love it. <laughs> yeah. So, have you ever been to the UK first? Yes, yes I have. I went and did, I did Edinburgh um, about five years ago now. Okay. But I, I did the Free Fringe with the PBH Free Fringe. Okay, yeah. Um, and I did. I took over my first solo show that I ever did. So I think it was a couple of years after I'd done it here in Melbourne. But it was just a. I thought, oh, this would be a good one to take. Okay. And I just wanted the experiences to see what everyone was banging on about. Because it just seemed like there was this time in Melbourne where all, all my friends and stuff, and everyone, all my work colleagues and stuff, were like, okay, we do Melbourne, and then you do a really good show at Melbourne Comedy Festival, and then you take it to Edinburgh, and then. You just that's what you do. I was like, oh, okay, cool. Yeah. Let's let's go do that. And, okay. Um, and then like I kind of at the last minute put it all together and went, okay, yeah, I'm going. And then so yeah, took it to to Edinburgh. And then I I went to London as well just beforehand because I could. Uh, so I spent a couple of weeks there and I did like a trial show in London, which was fun. And I didn't really do any gigs or anything in London. Um, I just hung out. Okay. Which is lovely. Okay. But to those, to my, my predominantly UK listenership, let's describe you. Who are you and how's it going? Oh. Hey, let, let's start with the easy stuff. Like, who are you and what are you doing here and what are you up to? Uh, rightio. Well, I, I'm Geraldine Hickey. You want to start with that? Yeah, let's that? do it. Yeah. I'm a comedian. Okay. How long have you been a comedian? Uh, about 10 years. Okay. And uh, I'm based in Melbourne. Mm-hmm. Um, and 
I don't know. It's hard to talk about yourself. Yeah, man. Okay, it's a bad question on my part. Don't worry. <laughs> um, you've been a comedian for, did you say nine or, nine or ten years? Ten years. About ten years. Oh, well, I, in the Comedy Festival runs a, a competition, um, the raw, raw comedy, which is the equivalent of the So You Think You're Funny? Is that yes, it? gotcha. Yes. Yeah. So the winner of Raw gets sent the, the prizes you go to Edinburgh to compete in. So yeah, that's kind of a weird thing, isn't, isn't it? That like if you win, then you can be in a competitor. competitor. Yeah, right. And it's weird. So I I got my start doing that. So I did that, but that was back in two thousand and one. Okay. Um, and I'd, I'd never really done comedy before and stuff, and I just went. Uh, actually, it was my mum that went. Um, I was still living at home with my, my parents and I was working at a cinema like serving popcorn Okay. and mum was like what are you going to do for the rest of your life you can't just work at a cinema and I was like well, why not it's fun, I get free movies um, <laughs> and then I went so I went fine I'm, oh, fine. I'm going to be a comedian and she went oh, how are you going to do that and I was like oh, well there's a competition I'll enter that. Okay. And then I um, so I entered this competition and somehow managed to make it to the national finals. Okay. And then got so, runner up. So had you not done any gigs before you did the competition? I'd, I'd done one or two. Okay. In high, like my first ever gig was in high school. Okay. And I had friends that were in a band. When you I, say it was in high, you were in high school, or the gig took in place high, in high school. Oh, sorry, I was in high school. Okay, gotcha. And I had friends that were in a band and they uh, organised a variety night where they got another band and some circus performers and stuff. And they went, you should get up and do some comedy. And I was like, yeah, I should. Okay. I shouldn't have. Did you go badly? Oh, it was the worst. And it was interesting. I remember it was August 19th um, in 1997. Okay. And because that was the same... I pretty much died the same time as... Princess Diana. <laughs> oh no! Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, so, w- what propelled you to try it in high school? This was pre-chat with your mum about doing something with your life. Uh, I, w- I wanted to be uh, an actor, and um, so I was really into drama and theatre and performing and stuff. And you know, and then one day in drama, in a drama class, I was. Me and a friend were acting something out and and everyone in the class laughed and I was like, guys, I was being serious that time. Yeah. You know, I'm serious. And my drama teacher went, Jess, you know what this means? And I went, oh, I can't act. Yeah, <laughs> okay. And he's like, know that you're a comedian. Okay. You are a comedian. And I was like, oh, okay. And then I went, oh, all right, that's, I can I can do that. And then... Yeah, and then I started writing stuff. And so something about that seemed to click for you when the teacher yeah. said, you're a comedian. I mean, that, that sounds like they said it in quite a portentous kind of way rather than a casual, they just went, oh, we've, we've discovered this is what yeah, you do. Yeah, yeah, it was pretty much like that. And it also wasn't like, oh, you should try comedy. I reckon you'd be all right. It was like, no, you are a comedian. Yeah. And did you, and did you think, oh, that's what I am? Or yeah, did you think, bit. I don't want to be one? Oh, no, no, I went, oh, no, that makes sense. Okay, yeah. okay. That's great. You, you, you yeah. said you'd heard the, the, the podcast I did with Celia Pacola. We talked about people's origin stories. Oh, yes. Like, it's almost like your superhero beginning. That's yes. amazing. Yeah, so yeah. You tried to do some serious acting yeah. and everyone laughed. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm going to call it a mysterious stranger. Although yeah. Obviously, your teacher just went, you're a comedian. Yeah. 
That's great. So you were picked and you went, yeah, that is me. That makes yeah, sense. Yeah, yeah. It was one of those things. I just went, oh, yeah, that makes sense. That's, I can, I can say that now. Okay. I didn't know what I was going to do about it, but I... Uh... So, so when you did that first gig, what did you do for your first gig? Did you have material or did you just oh, go on and No, I, I had material and it was so woeful. Oh, gosh. It was... I think I made... I think some of it involved reciting the words to Wanna Be by the Spice Girls. Okay. And it was something like, Zig Zig Ha, what's up with that? That kind of just so bad. Okay. So bad. And it was like, I went on stage, I think it was about one o'clock in the morning, mm. and everyone was just waiting for the band to start. Oh, man. I was just like... But I didn't know how bad it was, because, you know, I had nothing else to compare it to. Sure. So it was like... So, oh, this must be what it's like. <laughs> so, well, that, how, how did you react? Because something I, I want to say about your, your show that I saw mm. was not only that I thought it was very, very funny and I laughed all the way through yeah, and I thought you were so genuine with, with us. I yeah. really felt like you were letting us into you. Yeah. One of the things, one of the elements I think is a very strong suit for you, on, on the basis of that show, that's all yeah. you say you do, um, is that you, um, you seem to be very comfortable being there you seem yes. to be like a naturally and obviously the content of the show the subject matter is quite sad yeah but you or in, in some ways but you seem to be very twinkly and yeah. happy to be there and happy to be in front of us I am, you do I seem was. like someone yeah, who yeah. who i would describe as and i've got to be very careful about using this <laughs> phrase on the podcast but i don't want to overdo it but you seem like a very natural clowny person uh, i don't mean like a clown like it don't email me because <laughs> I, I, I i keep sneaking clowns in but i think there is something about you where if i'd met you socially yeah. i'd have gone oh yeah jezza she's kind of a clown yeah so let's talk about that do you do you feel that does that resonate yeah with absolutely you? um I do... Oh, gosh, I enjoy being on that stage so much. I, uh, and the night that you came to the show, to be honest, I think that was one of the best shows that I've ever had in my life. Okay. It was a... You know, when things just go right, there's that combination of the right people in the room and just you just get your pace right and it's just... Sure. Everything just kind of clicks. So I had one of those nights, which was awesome fun. But I, I guess now I've... I kind of reached this stage where, because I've been doing it for quite a few years, um, I just kind of, everything just kind of fits now where I'm not worried about what everyone else is doing. Like, I really am taking on that. You've just got to run your own, in comedy, you've just got to run your own race. So yeah. not be concerned about what, like, for years I, would, I used to get so bitter and... And just, like, I'd look at friends and stuff and go, oh, look at them, like, why are they getting more people in their shows? Mm. Or how did they get that that job on TV? Or why are they getting that and I'm not getting this? And then it's just like, oh, actually, do you know what? You, I'm very, I think I'm very lucky to be able to do what I'm doing. And I just, I do comedy because I enjoy it. Yeah. And so I love, and once, I think once you... Once that kind of clicks in your head, it's so much more freeing and stuff up on stage. So you just, I'm really there just to to enjoy the moment and stuff. Okay. So, so that's that's interesting because you seem like I guess maybe it always appears like this, but watching you on stage, seeing that that click has happened, mm. it seems to me like I, I can't imagine you 
being tense and nervous and jealous and, and all those kind of pre-click yeah. sort of things. That, that's something I've heard from a couple of people is that, you know, you worried about it for a long time and then you went, oh, actually, I'm just going to do this for me. Yeah. And then it changed somehow and you yeah. went, oh, wow, this is... Well, yeah, also I think a couple of things have changed in the last couple of years. Like, I... Because um, it was only, like, two years ago that uh, I realised I was gay. Well, mm-hmm. I kind of, you know... I, I just avoided some of the signs. Okay. <laughs> um, and I so so from going from doing comedy, and then once I realised I was gay, like that's so I just realised when I was gay, that's a, a kind of a really freeing kind of oh this is who I am. Whereas sure. before on stage, I would do it really felt like I was being a bit of a, a caricature okay. of myself. So I used to be you know quite. Well, I still am, to a certain degree, like, really blue and dirty. Just had a lot of cock jokes and, oh, you know. Um, and so it felt, since I came out, it was like, oh, so I don't need to kind of have this idea of myself and project that online about just be myself. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, I mean, that's fascinating to me that you were doing stand-up for, like, eight years, maybe, yeah. without knowing that you were gay. Yeah. So were you Plenty doing? Others knew. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. But so you would do. I mean, was your stuff like the the, the show that I saw was incredibly mm. personal? And we'll yeah. talk about how much of it. I mean, it feels like it was all true. Yeah. And, yeah. and you, it seems to me like you have an incredible gift for taking a true thing and finding the funny in it. Yeah. It didn't feel. It didn't feel imposed any of it. It wasn't like you were trying to put stuff into funny yeah. situations. You just got a very good way of describing a thing that you know a, yeah. a seemingly inconsequential thing that actually happened. Yeah. We'll come on to that in a bit, but were you doing that sort of personal stuff before? Mm-hmm. And if you were, how were you doing it? Now, how, were you in, how were you interrogating yourself to write that material every day and not knowing that you were gay? Uh, I don't know. Like, it just felt... Um, I'm trying to think of other shows and what I... Because every single show that I've done has been based on on truth um i just i'm just not good at making stuff up um <laughs> so but like i said i never talked about um well it was true at the time sure okay it's not like um like i you know dated guys and stuff and a bit so i would talk about that mm-hmm. on on stage i guess and and the trials and tribulations that went with that. Um, but it was true at the time, so it's, sure. you know... Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I suppose in my own practice, I do very personal stuff on stage. Yeah. I tell very true stories. And of the three hour-long shows that I've made, um, in my head, they, they ended up... Not, maybe not even at the time, but they ended up being vehicles through which... I found out something about myself. Yes. Like I tried the first show that I wrote um, in 2010 was the first hour that I'd written just purely about and by myself was about how I'd tried to make all of these roads in my life to be really interesting, you know, fetish clubs and circus and being mm. a street performer and all that stuff. But I realised that actually, if I'm honest, I'm quite a boring person. I'm quite normal, and I was sort of trying to be something that I wasn't. Yeah. So. So within within that, and then I've done one show about anxiety and one show about kind of sexual selfishness, mm-hmm. which you know anyone anyone listening to this could easily have seen those shows and not know they were about that. You know whether they were successful or not is yeah. is not the, the point. 
But I suppose what I'm asking is, like, I, I kind of, I've made shows about me and then afterwards looked at it and gone, oh, that was what was really going on. Yeah. So were you having similar sort of stuff? I mean, we're not just talking you were doing a Circuit 20 with cock jokes. You were doing several hours. Yeah. Of personal stories. Yeah, oh, I guess in, in, um, in my hour-long shows there wasn't a lot of... Um, cock jokes so to speak okay. um, well can you give us an example what was what was an early show about like a uh, pre-discovery show oh okay so the, my first show that I that I did my first solo show was about a week that I spent in a psychiatric unit that's okay. that's the show that I took to Edema okay um so not a lot of love stories in that one sure okay <laughs> um and then the next show was a, a family-based show because my my dad um, my dad's a truck driver and it was called Trucker's Daughter. Okay. It was a very famous Australian song called Tucker's Daughter. Okay, gotcha. Um, and that was just how yeah, that was all family stuff. But dad, my dad has a a hierarchy system in our family because okay. I've got one brother and four sisters, so he ranks us all based on who calls him first for his birthday okay okay stuff like that so well, like he ranks and tells you your rank yeah yeah, yeah. I'm okay. at number one so <laughs> yeah. okay. so to you the system's yeah. fine yeah yeah, okay. yeah. Uh, what else have I done and then George, oh, okay this is interesting yeah there was one show I did um, which was pretty much about how I'd never had a broken heart okay <laughs> okay. That's <laughs> always going like, oh, oh, I'm having the moment right now. I'm just Great. going, oh, yeah. Oh, of course you haven't had a broken heart because you were never attached to any guys because you were <laughs> never interested in them. Sure, sure, okay. So now I can look back on that and, you know, but pretty, but it was based, uh, based around how much I hated the movie, he's just not that into you. Okay. So I just based it all on that and it was just like, oh, like I, it was just about how I couldn't relate to anything. Sure. In the movie. Um, sure. Or to any of the women. I'm like, of course I couldn't relate to them. Okay. So, anyway. Uh, you're missing this, listeners, but the look on Geraldine's <laughs> face is a picture at the moment. Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> so, what are we talking about now? Yeah. Uh, yeah, okay. So, you're. So the stories you were telling were... I mean, I, I see completely what you mean, of course. Mm. The stories you were telling were true then. That was your truth. That was, yeah. that was the, Those were the things you were... Yeah. I mean, how, how deeply do you go into yourself when you're... If you're writing a show about how you, you don't relate to other women or, yeah. you know, uh, heterosexual relationships... Yeah. How... How deeply, or, or whether it's a show about your family, how deeply do you go into yourself? Do you feel like you're bearing your soul on stage? Uh, I, I ask that because I, I think it's your work is really honest. I thought it was mm. refreshingly honest. You were just completely yourself, and you yeah. weren't like I didn't feel your. I think that's what I mean by clowny. I didn't feel like the persona you were giving us was anything that you were selling. It was just yeah. you. Yes, yeah. Well, I try to do that now, so. Oh, what, what was? Well, the sorry, I've, <laughs> this, is, this is my this is my style all over. And ask a question, and then in explaining what I mean, it's completely obfuscated. And um, so, yeah. So, are you, do you feel you're burying your soul on stage? Oh, uh, yes and no. Um, I think I'm just being me on stage. Uh, um, the, in some some shows that I've done, I've gone really personal and kind of a bit deep and stuff. 
but only when it's necessary for the show. Okay. So I think, like, in terms of this show, I don't think I went... I don't think I went too deep. No. No, you were very honest, but you weren't necessarily... Yeah. I mean, what do we mean by deep? Um... Like you were. There was a bit of pathos in the show, but yeah. not enough to make people cry. <laughs> sure, <laughs> sure. Yeah, it was. It's the story about breaking up. It's the story about the end of yeah. a relationship. Yeah. I guess. Yeah, I suppose. What? Yeah. What, what? What do we mean by deep? Yeah. Like it was really honest, but it wasn't like you were trying to hurt us. Do you know yeah. what I mean? I suppose the word deep has something well, inherently yeah, it honesty about like, it. It wasn't like I was, you know going so deep that people would go oh oh I feel so sorry for you oh no but we were going oh god yeah you you poor bastard oh we all poor bastards that was you know that there was some of that yeah Yeah. so yeah I don't know I think do I feel like I'm bearing my soul sometimes sometimes but it's more I think I'm it's more me going hey guys this is me yeah. Aren't we all the same? Sure. And do you think do you think that's still do you think that was the case five years ago? Yeah. Okay, so you always that's always been yeah. your thing of going Yeah. Hey Whereas guys. now it really is true. Yes, okay. Okay. I guess. Yeah. So do you think I mean could there be could there be another Jezza show in five years where you look back at this one and go, Okay, now what I'm doing is really Yeah. True. Yeah. Yeah. Quite possibly. Yeah. So this is Jezza. Uh, I've actually left Melbourne now after an amazing month there, but I've got three more interviews besides this one in the can to send you over the next few weeks while I record some new ones here in New Zealand. God, my life is so difficult. Um, Geraldine is so much fun to be around. She's just delightful. I've really been enjoying the chance to see some brilliant comics uh, in in the uh, the Southern Hemisphere that are completely new to me. Um, coming up soon is Alistair Trembley Birchall, of whom I'd never heard before, but who absolutely blew me away. Uh, and I think actually his and Geraldine's shows probably made me laugh the hardest out of everything I saw here. Uh, I'm oh, so far, I should say. Uh, I'm really excited to bring you some acts that UK listeners might never have seen, uh, and of course. What I'm hoping is that in the future, if these acts come to Edinburgh or London or wherever in Britain, you'll go and check them out. Uh, Or indeed, if you're listening in New Zealand or Australia or anywhere around the world when you get the chance, uh, I hope that uh, that this show can connect you to people you might not have heard of, uh, as well as your favourite acts uh, and people from the circuit who you're already excited about. Thank you for all of your suggestions. I'm sorry I didn't get round to doing as many people as I'd have liked, um, but there's always uh, the rest of my life in which to get round to them. Uh, I've had some great emails but I will go into them next time I think I'm going to bring you an interview with the brilliant Tom Allen uh, a UK comic that I was working with throughout Melbourne uh, that's going to be the next podcast next week and I'll do some emails then as well I'm in a, a little bit frantic at the moment because I've just arrived here in New Zealand and I've got bundles of stuff to do and get settled and all the rest tickets for the Benny Boot special the Benny Boot uh, Comedians Comedian Live special on Wednesday the 29th of May are still available from the Facebook page I hope they're still available I think they are I've, I've not checked recently how many we've sold but I'm I'm sure those are going fast. Uh, if you don't know Benny, do have a Google of him, Benny Boot. He's just brilliant. So I, I can't wait to do that interview. Um, and I think that's going to make a, a really interesting live show as well. I'll host, uh, we'll have a guest. Benny will do a set for 20 or 30 minutes uh, and then we'll interview him in the second half and only the interview will be podcast. Uh, I'm in the process.
prizes of confirming some guests uh, for the Edinburgh show. Uh, so remember, at the Edinburgh Festival, 5.45 in the Gilded Balloon every night, apart from like a middle Monday or a Wednesday or a Tuesday or something like that, uh, but every other night of Edinburgh, so you can come and see loads and loads of com-com goodness. Uh, and that's all for now. So uh, get in touch at info at comedianscomedian.com uh, or indeed at uh, you can tweet me at comcompod. Uh, and now let's get back to the brilliant Geraldine Hickey. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. So were you, were you funny in the pub? When you were a, when you were a kid, I was going to say, but not time pubs when you were a kid. I mean, as a younger person, as a were you yeah. outside of that kind of drama experience? Yeah, were yeah. you kind of you know wisecracking with your friends type? Yeah, but without me knowing it, it was one of those things where you know I'd be in class and I'd say something with no intentions whatsoever of being funny. Mm-hmm. It wasn't like I'd be like, hey guys, listen to this. I'd just say something, and friends would just laugh. Okay. I was like, oh, I, I don't understand why you're laughing, but I will take it. Okay. So thank you. So so why do you think that, that was? I don't know. I think it was just the, the way I would say something. Or, okay. um There were times where I would try to be funny, obviously, but um, I don't know. It's just, yeah, some moments that was like just the way I said something and people would laugh. Sure. And can you, like, in, in terms of your your shows, you must articulate that. I mean, are you, you're, are you sort of striving for a certain way that you say things? Do you know what I mean? When you, when you write a, a description of something, like a, a breakup or a detail yeah. of it, or, you know, are you thinking how... Um, well, I'll tell you a simpler question would be, how scripted is your show? Is it all scripted and written out? Or are you describing the things and just finding ways in which to say them? It is It is pretty scripted, but in terms of getting to that script is through... Um, I don't necessarily write that much. Okay. Uh, oh, I do. No, I do. It's But I'll, I'll, tr- I'll have an idea and I... And this is, really has evolved over the years. I used to do a lot more writing, but now it's more I have an idea and go... All right, and then I'll just get up on stage and do it. Okay. Um, and then I'll kind of work out where the funny is and stuff and then go back and, and write it. Sure. So do you mean it like sort of midweek open spot type yeah, gigs? Yeah. Get up and, and kind of just try... Yeah. Okay, here's, here's me working through an idea. Yeah. Okay. So 
but once so once I've done that then it's kind of scripted I guess um, I suppose what I'm, I think what I'm getting at is how much do you know why you're funny or is it just that you you think oh something about me is funny bit of well a bit of both I guess like I Oh uh, yeah, I I think ninety percent is like me having knowing what's funny and knowing how to write a joke and okay. knowing, you know, that or saying something knowing that's going to be funny. But then there's that small percentage where it's like that natural thing that just comes that people just think you're naturally funny. Sure, you you see that as quite that's the smaller that's the smaller part of it. You think that's the smaller percentage? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I haven't really thought about it. Um, I, I don't think you could have one without the other. Sure. I think it's quite necessary to have that, that natural... Well, for me, for me anyway. Okay. Um, yeah, I think that helps a lot. Because, it's you know, I have these moments where, like, I'll, I'll, say, I'll just say something, you know, it'll be leading to something else and people will laugh and I... And that, you know, that confuses me because I just go, why, why are you laughing at yeah, that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why? Because what what, I want to know. If they're laughing at the feed lines, yeah. that's an exciting experience, isn't it? That's kind of delicious that you go, yeah. oh, okay, there's a joke coming up. Oh, you're already laughing. Yeah, yeah. but then you get to your punchline, the thing that you actually have worked on, and then you kind of it just, they kind of laugh a little bit, but not as much as something else that you did yeah. before. Yeah, because... Like, what is that? Because you're, you're kind of setting up something, but I suppose there's something about the way we can see a performer set yeah. up an idea that actually tells us everything we yeah. need to know already. Yeah. But it's also that frustrating thing of someone, the audience is losing it at something that, that you didn't plan to be funny. Yeah. And it's like, oh, but why are you laughing at that? Because if I know that, then I can use that and... Sure. Yeah, I mean, that's not dissimilar, is it, yeah. from the sort of drama experience you were yeah. talking about? You're trying to be serious and yeah. they're laughing. Yeah, yes. Oh. Maybe you should start doing uh, tragic plays. Maybe, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, that could work. That's oh. quite interesting. I really like that idea. I just, we just pursue that for a minute, that mm. idea of your innocence or the performer's innocence, but maybe specifically you, because you yeah. do seem... That's kind of what I mean by that twinkle. You do yeah. seem to be kind of... Innocent, yeah. and that's part of why I was laughing because yeah. you seemed so like, oh wow, and you know when it was sort of it was like this, yeah, and 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 yeah. we're laughing because we're going, oh yeah, you're bringing yourself to this really naively, yeah. Um, it's uh, it's weird, I suppose. I, I don't know. I don't know what my line of questioning is. I'm trying to sort of uncover something in that whereby you know what it is, but maybe you don't. I don't know what I've it got is. no idea. Yeah, I've got no that's, idea. that's equally exciting. <laughs> You're just kind of mining. You're like shining a yeah. torch through a tunnel, yeah. going, "Oh, this is. Oh, apparently this. Yeah. yeah." So, what are your what are your starting points for finding the funny in something? When you walk on stage, when you walk onto an open spot with a with an idea of something, why have you selected that idea? Because it made you laugh, or because, or you know, what, uh, what what sorts of things strike you as things that would be quite Geraldine? Um, I just I, I look at. Uh, like when I'm trying to write new material and stuff, I guess I, I'll look at, yeah, something that's funny that's happened, that's or I'll, um, 
Like, for instance, you know, at at work, so I also work in, in childcare as well, mm. and um, so I like to... Kids are a good source of material. Dan. Sure, yeah. So I, I kind of... Something will happen at work. I mean, yeah, and things kind of evolve. I think I'm trying to think of an example, like... Um, or just interesting things that happen to me, like things out of the blue. Like, one day at work we found a... A canary, yeah, a canary in the sand pit. Okay. That's that's odd. <laughs> it's odd that you rock up to work. There's a canary in the sand pit, and it's not like I think we think that it was a pet, and it fell out of the window. Okay. But it was quite possibly quite hurt and stuff. Anyway, I thought you know we put it in a box and stuff. And we're like someone's going to look after this, and it was like I had this moment of, oh, I can be responsible. I'm going to. I have a pet, and then I I took it home and, and stuff, and, and died the next day. But I just <laughs> I just wanted to try and talk about so one, and so I went, oh, I'm gonna, I want to talk about this bird, and it was more about me taking the responsibility of you know knowing that I was responsible enough of taking this bird home and stuff, and the material about the bird did not work at all. Okay, because it was just like a long boring long-winded story so but the lead up into it about me becoming more responsible yes it's now a really tight five minutes that I have okay okay that's interesting yeah that's interesting so that's actually a really nice no I've not encountered that before but I suppose I've done that uh, oh have I even done I'm struggling to think if I've even done that Mm. myself but that's a fascinating approach to go, I'm going to go on and tell one story, and maybe that helps your your naive approach because yeah. you're not thinking about the the preamble. Yeah, you're thinking about the end point. Yeah, and that lets the preamble breathe. Yeah, because that was all the stuff that, at the start of the show when I was talking about how I'm, you know, becoming a more responsible adult, and I gave yeah. examples of why that was, you know, and when I was first doing it, it was like I was doing this and this and this, and then it all came together when I found this bird. Yeah, but then the bird died. Okay. And now the bird's gone completely yes. out of the story. Yes, because maybe the idea that's too kind of maybe it's too clunky an idea. Mm. That that's an idea that you could have had yeah. rather than a thing you've stumbled upon maybe. Yeah. 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 So how much of your show is true. Is it all word for word true? Are you? It feels like one of the most true shows that I've seen. Uh, I know you're. You twiddle the timing slightly. Yeah. No. It's it's all pretty much true. I've I added a bit of mayonnaise to the sandwich. Okay. So to speak. Okay. I added a little bit of you know sizzle to the love story. I guess. Sure. Um, you know, I don't. I kind of made it sound as if I was. Um, a bit heartbroken about the the fling girl, but sure. I'm still kind of, well, maybe something's gonna. Oh, I just wanted the audience to come out thinking, oh, maybe they will get together. Oh, yeah, sure, still okay, hope. there's okay. still hope. But I love that is a line where you say, yeah, and she's actually in the room yeah. tonight, and everyone looks around you like, don't be soft. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's really nice. <laughs> yeah, I do love doing that. Um, it's funny. One night I made. <laughs> I made one girl turn to her best friend and look at her, thinking that it was her. Yeah. <laughs> brilliant. <laughs> what are you doing? Ah, brilliant. <laughs> yeah. So much fun. Um, so, yeah, so I added, you know, a little... So, but other than that, though, it's all... Yeah, it's all true. 
With the the person remind me of the name or the name you used. I don't know if you used the real name of. The I didn't. Uh, Connie was the the name. The, but, the stage version. Yeah, okay, yeah. Cool. Yeah. Um, so is Connie likely to ever see the show? She has seen the show. She has seen the show. Yeah, oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, you've so written a show can. about the end of a relationship with someone. Yeah. And that person came to see it. What was that like? Uh, yeah, it was fine because I I knew she was coming and okay. we are we are really good friends. Okay. Um. And, you know, when it sounds, you know, sure we broke up and stuff, but we had an end date on our... Sure, of course. We had a fling yeah. and we put an end date on it. So it was... It's all very kind of organised because, you know, we're lesbians. I can't believe... <laughs> I can't believe you actually that that's... I mean, I believe that it's real, but yeah. I, that that conceit, that idea of having... Let's have a fling, but so we don't get involved, let's put an end date to it. Yeah. That's astonishing. It is. But, yeah, it doesn't always work. Sure. But for us, it, it did. Okay. It worked really well. But I think it's because we were both on the same page. Gotcha. So so having her in the audience, you, it's not like she was an ex that you were trying to prove anything to. I mean, I, no, I'm sure as, no. a, as a younger person, I'm sure I had that experience yeah. of like breaking up with someone, writing jokes yeah. about how heartbroken I was and thinking, yeah, yeah one day they're going to be in the room and I'm going to do jokes about how heartbroken I am and they'll simultaneously <laughs> see how sensitive and erudite and yeah. funny I am. Yeah, um, okay. So, yeah, and because, yeah, we are good friends, and I told her, when we were in the fling, I said, I'm going to write a show about this, this is great, and then... Okay. So she was, the, she knew about that it. That is organised. Yeah. Yeah, this will one day yeah. become a show. Yeah. <laughs> I was just really struggling to come up with an idea, like, you know. Anyway, so I... She knew about everything, and then uh, before the show, though, I did, we were out one day, and I was just like, hey, just... When you come and see the show, just know that I've I've added a little bit of sure. And she's like, okay, I get it. Okay, it's fine. She was like, it's you know. She was like, oh, I get it. You you're saying this to me because you're thinking that I'm going to come watch a show and then go, oh no. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Well, you yeah. need to go have a coffee and discuss where our relationships are. Yeah, right. Okay. okay. It's okay. okay. It's all <laughs> so so I was quite comfortable having her in the room. Um, that was fine. It was what, but. She dated someone after me for a while and she tried to do the fling with this next girl and put an end date on it. And the next girl went, oh, no, that sounds ridiculous. (laughs) (laughs) Putting an end date on it. And then so they ended up, they broke up, uh, you know, not long ago. So they're both still a little bit heartbroken. So it was odd having the next girlfriend come in and watch the show and me talking about this girl that has just broken her heart so oh my that was god that is quite complex isn't yeah. it did you feel extra responsibility on stage or did you just go i'm gonna do the show this is the show yeah i kind of just did the show and i also i said to to connie start, it's her real name's courtney but it doesn't matter um i said to her i said you know you should send her along to the show because it's like and I, I thought it'd be a good coping thing for her. <laughs> idiot, <laughs> idiot. Anyway, I think it was quite confronting for her. Just to briefly, I know what my next thing's going to be, mm-hmm. but to briefly digress just back to the sexuality issue. Mm-hmm. One of the things that uh, I noticed reminded me then um, was you said because hey, we're lesbians. Mm-hmm. And obviously, to you, that's only been an identity for a couple of years. Yeah. So, is there a certain pleasure in saying that you know I'm like this? Because, you know, because I am a lesbian. Yeah. That, that's going to be quite a, a fun 
I mean, how exciting to be in your early 30s and go, oh, there's this, there's this, <laughs> yeah. you know, not only is there almost like, it's a combination of there's a gang I can join and a kind of a, a yeah, culture yeah. I can oh, be part of. And somewhere. also, yeah, it's a sense of yeah. belonging because actually yeah. that's been the whole case yeah. all along. Yeah. And it's that, oh, I don't, that's why I don't like shoes unless they're sneakers. Yeah. <laughs> you know? It's just, yeah, it's that it, yeah, belonging. And it, yeah, it is nice. It's really nice. Do, do you anticipate your sexuality and your awareness of your sexuality becoming an issue in your public persona? No, not at all. It's nothing to do with it? No. Or it's not an issue to you? Or... Not, oh, not an issue to me. Sure. I mean, we, we, when Sansky and I came to see the show, yeah. we walked away thinking, oh, my God, you, you could be massive. Yeah. Because you can talk to men and you can talk yeah. to women in that fairly unique yeah. kind of relationship. Like, I haven't seen another gay woman who hits the same notes as you do on stage. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And that, that really, I kind of was like, well, you know, A, we were both kind of buzzing because it had been such a good show. Yeah. But also, um, I was sort of thinking, oh, wow, this, you know, if you... Or, you know, yeah, how do I market that? How do you market it? Exactly. <laughs> That's what I was thinking. Like you could, you don't have to make a decision yeah. to market it or package it a particular yeah. way, of course. But it sort of feels like, well, you could do because yeah. you're super approachable to everybody. You've got the innocence, you've got the comedy, you've got all that sort mm. of stuff. But there's also a way in which you were battering that audience around and mocking yeah. the guys in relationships with the girls, mocking the girls in relationship with the guys in this incredibly warm way. Yeah. I must admit, part of me had that kind of, I don't know if you ever get this, like you, you see someone, you walk away, starting to think oh man if I was an agent oh I could yeah. sell that <laughs> well I guess with, with this show it's it, I did make a conscious decision in when I was writing this show to make my material more accessible um, so I'd always been criticised for being too blue and stuff like people were like oh you'll never you are you you know you'll never be on TV because you, you've got such a potty mouth and stuff yeah okay um, and your materials to you know dirty and stuff and then um, and then last year's show was last year's show was my, my coming out show so that was you know obviously very much you know aimed at the gay community mm-hmm. so to speak whereas you know as you know very gay heavy whereas in in this show I wanted it to be yeah just a bit more still be me but just a bit more accessible so I made a conscious decision not to you know have any sex jokes in there and yeah. stuff and yeah um, it's a very accessible love story it was like an every person yeah, love story yeah yeah so and also um, over the past year or so I've done a lot more talking to the audience where I used to be terrified of that really terrified okay. so it's oh you're very nice. good at it you've got a really good relationship with us yeah because I, I kind of don't care yeah I just have that that moment where yeah, I used to be terrified of you know any MC MCing gigs and stuff mm-hmm. like that whereas mm-hmm. now oh gosh I love it it's so much fun it's just it kind of I feel like it takes the pressure off being funny when you're when you're MCing it's okay. like Oh, actually, I can just get up and talk to the audience and stuff and see where that That's goes. That's funny. I feel the opposite. Whenever I, I, oh. I, I'm naturally geared towards being an MC, is my, yeah. my background. I'm, you know, quite improvising. Mm. But, um, but I always feel this crushing weight of responsibility for the night. I'm like, I can't oh. take too many risks. I can't fuck about too much because 
it's got to be a good gig for everyone. Yeah. But that's, I, I mean, I, that would be really nice to put that down and go, yeah. oh, what a great opportunity. I don't have to yeah. be funny. I could just, all I could do is take this. Yeah, but you, you, yeah, this is it. I mean, you still, you know, you know that you are funny because that's why you're there. So you have your, your set material and stuff, but you, there's no, I, I just, yeah, when I'm emceeing, I take that pressure off of trying to be funny. It's just like, you go out there and have a good time. And also, like, I, I used to do a lot of improv and stuff as well. And it's that thing where, like, people will just laugh at, you know, if you ask the audience a question and they'll go, whatever, and then you say something. But I think the audience is just amazed that you've got something to say back to them. Sure. Yeah, okay. So... Like, it, you know, at the moment I'm asking people what their favourite animal is and, you know, sometimes they'll just say, oh, it's a tiger. And then I'll just start imitating a tiger. Yeah. Just going, rah, rah. And the audience just loves it. <laughs> just like, this is so silly. This is so silly. But just the fact that you're doing something, they like that, I guess. So, yeah, I'm... And now that I... I you know, once you take that pressure off yourself to, to try and be funny and just know that you are funny and that something if it doesn't work doesn't matter you move on to something that you know is funny but I think it's kind of this freeing thing up on stage just to be able to yeah so I've enjoyed that opening up that new thing of talking to the audience and stuff so in terms of your accessibility or otherwise when you were being blue when you were being party mouth did you care at the time did you consider oh this is stopping me from being marketable you know, did you... Obviously- yeah, it kind of went in and out a little bit. It was like, um... There were moments where we were like, oh, no, I'm just just, I'm just I'm being me. I'm being true to myself and mm. I'm just getting up the stage and, you know, I love what I do and, you know, some people really love this material, so we'll go, we'll go with it. And then, obviously, I'd have other friends that would, you know, have this meteoric rise and I'd be sitting back just going... Oh, I know I'm just as good as them. Mm-hmm. And then, so that's when that all that bitter stuff came in. Cause sure. It was like, oh, God, what do I have to do? And it's like, because I, I just felt like I was stuck in this, you know, I think you have to be, you know, I think I need to be who I am, but, but also do I have to change that? To, I don't want to change who I am to get yeah. a job on That's TV. a weird thing, isn't it? You kind yeah. of go... Uh, I I know that I need to be who I am. Yeah. But there's a certain feeling that, well, what if who I am isn't what's being looked for? Yeah. Yeah. So, but now I, I think, um, I, I'm, yeah, so it's nice that I've kind of reached a stage where it's like, oh, no, I'm still being who I am, but I, I kind of think I've been more who I am now. Yeah. Yeah. Let's talk then about the market. Let's talk about Australia. And obviously, I mean, you're another Australian comic who I've spoken to who has to also have a day job, despite yeah. having years and years of experience. Yeah. So is it, do you, I mean, have you had periods of being a full-time comic? Yeah, I have. And yeah. how, what's, what's that like? How's the, what's the difference and how do you feel going forward? How do you feel, what, what do you feel your chances of not no. needing to do any other work? Well, I have another job. Like, for years, I, you know, got... Like, I used to work in bars and stuff, and then was always like, oh, I've got to 
do comedy full-time and then I, I did at one stage I you know I quit my job at the pub and I went right that's it I am a comedian and I did that for about a year or so or more and it was oh, it had its ups and downs and then um and then I, I work in childcare now because I actually really love it mm-hmm. like so I kind of see that I have two careers and, and it's not like I'm it's not like I'm doing one to so I can do the other. Sure. Okay. So it's you know, I do childcare because I love it and I do comedy because I love it and they both earn me you know, and it's interesting now I'm earning more money in comedy than I was when I was doing it full time. Okay. Okay. So What great position to be in. Yeah. Oh amazing. Yeah. So the double it, threat I can <laughs> wipe asses yeah. and slap down hectic great <laughs> so it's um and also i th- I think it's you know it's that thing where you you make money, you know I've got more money to invest in in comedy like you know invest in shows and stuff, so there's that aspect, but also mentally it's so good for balance, and mm. I just find that when I was doing comedy full time, I really struggled with trying, just being alone all the time and stuff yeah. and not having a, like I, you know, in terms of writing, I was never one of those ones to go, right, I'm gonna, today's my writing day and I'm gonna go and do this. It was just like, oh, I've got nothing to do. Yeah. I'm so, I'm not very good at being self-motivated and stuff, so now I, you know, that I have this other job, this other focus, it gives, you know, now I've, I have to plan things. I go, all right, you, I have to work in the afternoon, so, okay, you've got that gig tonight, so in the morning, that's when you've got to prepare and, and gotcha. stuff. Gotcha, so, okay. And also, it's just nice, especially during festival time, um, people, like, around festival go, oh, you're so happy, like, why? Like, what's your secret to getting through this festival? I'm like... Well, I'd sit at home all day Googling myself. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Yeah. Because like, I don't, you know, this is the first year that I haven't read reviews of my shows and stuff, and people are like, oh, how do you do that? How yeah, do you do right. That? Well, I've got, I've got something else to do. Like, I get to sure. go to work every day and not have a phone and just kind of do something else this is the first time I'm, I'm aware that the the best of show that I'm doing has mm. had a review and I haven't looked at it I've deliberately not it's looked nice, at it it's so it? empowering this is all Carl Donnelly's doing yeah. this is an actor um, we're working with in, uh, in Adelaide yeah. but it's it, it's great it's great I'm not part oh. of that I'm not part of that system anymore yeah I did, and, and also stop reading other people's reviews I think the yes. first couple well that's the next thing I need to yeah. learn to do because I do still do that and yeah. I you know because the first couple of days of the festival, I was, you know, reading reviews and stuff. And then I read a review of a friend show that I'd seen, and it was just like, I got so mad. I'm like, yeah. what? What are you on about? There's mm-hmm. nothing like... And then I went, oh, actually, no more reviews. No more of yeah. anybody's reviews, because I'm yeah. just, just going to disagree with them and go, you're an idiot. And then I just get upset, and it's like, oh, just leave it. So I do so nice will you so read them nice. afterwards would you read reviews of your show afterwards or do you just not engage with that at all I don't know yet oh. this is my first time like my, my manager wouldn't it be was, fun to never have read them yeah because my manager was like oh I've packaged them all your reviews up and I've put them all on file for you so yeah. I'll give them to you at the end of festival I was like okay so I don't know I don't know yet mm-hmm. 
So how do you how do you feel about comedy in Australia? How do you feel about the state of comedy? Uh, do you feel like it's in a good place at the moment? Is it, is it exciting? A thing that people in the UK are obsessed with at the moment, me as well, is that it seems to be really busy. There's an awful lot of people starting it. And yeah. there's, maybe there's fewer gigs rather than more gigs. Is yeah, that, is that I think there's, there's been, in the last few years, there's been a, a big change in comedy in, in Australia, I think, like in terms of... There was a bit of a lull for a year, for a few years in that... Especially in Melbourne, it just seems like um, a lot of, you know, punters in Melbourne would only come to see comedy during the festival. Yeah, okay. So straight after festival, it was like, oh, festival's on, it's comedy, woo, it's comedy. And then as soon as festival was over, it was like no gigs anywhere. There was only a couple of rooms in Melbourne that would, that run year round, whereas... Now there are some really, really good rooms that a couple of comics have started. There's a brilliant open mic room um, on a Monday night uh, that three comics run, and it's it's been an institution now. It's been running for a few years, and it's it's so much fun, and they they run it so well that um, it's packed every night okay. regardless of who's on and it's, Great. it's what's it called what's that one called it's called um, Spleen okay it's a bar's called Spleen so gotcha. it's a Spleen comedy okay and it's and it's free like it's a free night um, but and they have like eight comics on or something so everyone does five minutes and it's such it's such a joy it's such a joy to do that room because it's it's run so well as well so um and so one of the guys that ran that, it's Carl Chandler, and he set up another couple of rooms as well. So more professional kind of, so, you know, that's like an open mic room. That's where you go mm-hmm. to try new stuff. And then he's got other rooms where, you know, he has a headliner and support and MC and stuff. So so paid gigs, because for a while it was like so many gigs in Melbourne, but just not paid. Yeah, I think sure. the big problem in, in, in Melbourne comedy and anywhere comedy in, in Australia it's like people go like especially pubs will go yeah let's put on a comedy night let's put on a comedy night and then there'll be some new comedian that comes and goes yeah I want to do I can't get in gigs I'll just start my own room and then they'll go to the pub and go oh, I want to put on a comedy night and they'll go yeah great do it and then the pub will give you no money yes. to put on that night sure. and they go yeah you can just use our room yeah. just say, use our room and that's fine and um, oh you can take money on the door and mm-hmm. we'll just take the bar kind of mm-hmm. thing so these comics go oh well it's, it's an open mic night so we'll charge like five bucks and yeah. then we, we don't need to pay anybody and then so it's just I just think that and now it's like people are running rooms and I think the the owners of bars should kind of step up a little bit and go actually because and now some are as well yeah oh really okay yeah Actually prepared to pay so that they get good acts, yeah. so it becomes a good night. Yeah, yeah. they they kind of or pro acts. I should say. Yeah, 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 they invest in it a little bit more. Sure. So, and it's still happening. Like I was having a chat to some other people that have just recently started up a new room, and it's heaps of fun. It's a great room and stuff, and it's and they were like, but there's a, they've got a crappy mic stand and the lighting's really bad, and it's like, why don't 
guys, why don't you get the, the, the guys at the pub to, you yeah. know, <laughs> pay for this? And they're like, oh, you know, we could, but, you know, and I said, do they give you any money to put this night on? And they're like, no. And I was like, look how many people, this is a Tuesday night and this place is packed. Yeah, You right. guys weren't here. Yeah, everyone's buying three drinks. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, sure. Sure. So when it comes to when it comes to comedy festival, do mm. you have and, and specifically your involvement? Do you have any kind of strategy? Do you have any kind of career path? Do you have anything kind of worked out, or is it just a case from year to year you enjoy making shows, so you make shows? Yeah, I I enjoy making. Like, yeah, I wouldn't. It kind of changes, I guess. I I really really enjoy doing live stand up. So I think my I'd really eventually like to be in bigger venues and and tour more. Um, but I think in Australia you can't really do that unless you get on TV. Yeah, okay. It's interesting, like, even... I was talking to a friend about it last night. It's about Asher Trelevin, which yeah. you would know quite well. Yes, I've interviewed him a couple of days ago, yeah. He... He's been nominated for the Barry Award twice, which is, you know, yeah. the best show at festival. Yeah. And he's, he's, he's the only person to get five stars in two consecutive years in the age, someone told me the other night. There you go. Yeah. And, it's, and a friend was saying last night, talking about other people just going, like, when he was flying for his show and kind of recommending other people, and he was like, oh, you guys would have, you'd know Asher Trollope, and punches would go, no, no idea who he is. Yeah. Because he hasn't been on TV. That's incredible, isn't it? Yeah. That's incredible. I wonder how much of that is also true in Edinburgh, because I feel in the UK circuit, and specifically you, you really notice it at Edinburgh, it's almost become a streamed process whereby either you're one of the comics who's done all the UK shows, mm. Buzzcocks, Mock the Week, yeah. you know, all the rest of it, um, or you're not. Yeah. And there's a lot of people who on the top of their posters can say, you know, star of, yeah. star of, Name the same six TV shows, yeah. you know, the, like the Apollo Roadshow, whatever. Um, and then there's people who can't say that, yeah. and so people will always take a punt more, right? and you'll get bigger rooms, bigger audiences, and so yeah. forth. And the idea of touring in the UK as a comic who doesn't have any TV is sort of impossible. Yeah. It took me a couple of years to realise that. Okay. Yeah. Oh, right, oh, this, oh, you, this, this isn't viable. Doesn't matter yeah. how well Edinburgh goes, it's, it's not viable. Yeah. So it's interesting to see that reflected here. I mean, is there a lot of TV shows? Is there a lot of TV opportunities? No, that's or the, prob- that's the other problem. Small... It's like there, there is no... <clears throat> there's no show on Australian TV at the moment where you can do stand-up. Really? Doesn't exist. Really? Yeah. Oh, my God. Doesn't exist. So there's no... Oh, because what changed the... I don't know if you're aware of, like, Michael McIntyre's comedy roadshow and yeah. Live at the Apollo and stuff. That really changed the face of it. That suddenly let loads and loads of... Yeah. Obviously, it's still an issue because it's yeah. it's loads of comics, but it's really only the same 20 or 30. Yeah. So... And I think that's been warmly embraced because it's super cheap to make and yeah. it's really popular. So it can surely only but, be a matter of time until something like that catches on over here. Well, they did do the... Um, on ABC, they did the... They filmed during festival, like the late night shows during festival, sure. and they put that up. But that was, you know, a special, I guess. But there was no, yeah. The closest we got, there was a a morning chat show called The Circle, which was okay, based on um, loosely based around um, what's that? The um, that one with Whoopi Goldberg and The View. 
Okay. This is based around that. Sure. It's just four women chatting and stuff. It's a morning show, and then, but occasionally they would have a stand up on it. Okay. And that was in that the morning. Was, oh yeah, that was the only. <laughs> That's only, crazy, isn't it? That's crazy. So people in Melbourne come out to Melbourne Comedy Festival. It's an internationally recognised huge mm. comedy festival, and people come out and see people who've been on the few things on TV. And there's loads of people who are being great at doing festival shows mm. but aren't getting audiences. Yeah. So what needs to happen? Do there need to be more opportunities on TV or people... I don't know. Probably needs to be educated more about the availability of other acts? Yeah, maybe. I think a lot of things... Or maybe, you know, maybe I should make, you know, some YouTube clips or something. Yeah, sure. Do you know? I don't know. It was funny. I was in a... Um, sharing a cab with these a group of people a couple last Saturday night because it's impossible to get a cab anyway I'm in a cab with these other people and they were they'd recognised my friend who had been on TV Mm -hmm. they're like oh you're that chick from that show and blah 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 and then she's like oh this is my friend she's a comedian doing a show at the festival and um, I'm like, oh, really? And one guy goes, oh, I'm going to the festival on Thursday night. And I was like, oh, what are you going to go and see? He's like, oh, I don't know. Like, yeah, I'm just, I'm going. It's like, dude, it's like 495 shows. Like, which one are you going to go and see? And, he, and then this other girl was like, are you doing a show? And I was like, yeah, yeah. She goes, where are you doing it? And I said, um, at the forum. I'm like, at the forum? That's a big place. And I'm like, oh, relax. I'm in a tiny yeah, sure, room. Sure. I'm in a tiny room that seats like, you know, 40 people. And she goes, 40 people? <laughs> you can fill that room? And I'm like, what's well, so up? She goes, how do you do? Because we're, we don't go see people that we haven't heard of. Yeah, we right. We go and see people that we know that, you know, we don't go see local people. We yeah. see the internationals and yeah. stuff. So. Jesus. Yeah. And you slap them. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, it is true. You don't go and see stuff. Yeah. Man. Occasionally you'll find someone that'll take a punt and, you know, but... And I think also, you know, it's that thing that happens that one person will go and see see comedy, they'll go, they'll take a punt on a show and they'll, it'll be rubbish. Mm-hmm. And then they go, well, comedy's bad. Yeah. And they won't yeah, see yeah. anything else ever yeah. again. So that was Geraldine. I, I loved that interview. She's so much fun to spend time with. I'm, I'm a huge fan of her work and of her as a person. Uh, I hope you got something out of that. I think that was a, a really fascinating interview. Um, interesting stuff about Melbourne and, well, all the stuff you've just heard. Let's, let's not go into too much depth. You've just listened to it after all. So thank you to Geraldine. Thank you very much to Graham Crockford uh, for sound support and technical support and Dan Melrose for the music, as ever. Um, next week, Tom Allen, the fabulous Tom Allen. I, I'm really, I'm editing that one at the moment as well, and I'm really looking forward to bringing you that podcast. Uh, and indeed, some other ones from Melbourne, I'm, uh, from New Zealand. God, it's all rolling into one. I'm exhausted. I'm going to go and sleep for an hour. Thanks. Speak to you soon. Bye bye. <laughs>
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.